0: Hi, and welcome to episode 105, Remembering the Why. Well, I just celebrated my one-year anniversary of publishing this podcast, and I wanted to go back and listen to the first episode, which was really telling you all my why of beginning the podcast. And as I listened to my why, I reflected on the other things I have done this year because of that why, I enrolled in an elite six-month life coaching training program and was certified after meeting rigorous objectives. We had weekly classes for six months, weekly coaching and critiques on our coaching, a graded practicum, and final exam, which I got an A on. I began my private coaching practice in the summer and started offering a free one-on-one session for those who wanted to see how much a life coach could help them. And from there, I started signing clients who wanted one-on-one help mentoring in their marriage, their motherhood, and in their home management. In addition to my one-on-one coaching, I also started my group coaching membership for women called Reimagine Motherhood, where I help women solve marriage and parenting issues through practical tools But mostly by coaching their mindset, helping them discover what they want and the steps to get there. Because when you become aware of how your mindset affects everything in your life, you actually begin the transformation to the life you really want. But first, you have to uncover the awareness of what you're thinking about your life and how it affects what you do and what you don't do. All of this I did because of my why. I reject the narrative that young moms are hearing that motherhood is overwhelming and you're a victim and it's not fun. It's that messy mom syndrome. I just reject it. When I was a young mom and all my friends were young moms, that was not a thing. We just got up and were mothers rather than giving in to how hard it was, which of course will affect everything you do. I want to help women have the marriage and motherhood they've always wanted, not settling for marriages that maybe began a slow death when the children came, not giving into discouragement or mediocrity in keeping their home. And I wanted to give women the mentoring they need to parent from a place of leadership, respect, and appropriate expectations so they actually enjoy their children rather than always being in conflict with them. All while nurturing faith, hope, and love in a God whom they can depend on and really do need to turn to for strength. For those of you who have been here from the beginning, thank you. Thank you to those who have shared this podcast with friends and family and thank you to those who've taken the time to write the reviews. I am so grateful. And I'm so energized because I know there's a need and I see that people want it. My prayer is that you'll keep listening, you'll keep sharing, and take a few moments to write a review. St. Jose Maria said, Drown evil in an abundance of good. And that's what I'm trying to do in this world, so that I can help you raise joyful, faith-filled families that raise the tone in the world. Pope St. John Paul II said, as the family goes, so goes society. Find your why and use it to change your little corner of the universe. Enjoy this rebroadcast of the very first episode of Finding Joy in Motherhood. Take care. Hi, I'm Janet Quinlan, and I'd like to welcome you to episode one of Finding Joy in Motherhood. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad you are here. I have had a blog for a while now, findingjoyinmotherhood.com, but many of my readers have asked for a podcast version rather than trying to spend the time to read the blog posts. And I completely get it. I love podcasts. I can listen to them in the car. I can listen to them when I work out. So I'm just really thrilled to start this new adventure in spreading my love, really, which is motherhood. Uh, I I want to help young moms, middle-aged moms, and old moms, actually, Um, really find peace and joy in this calling. And that's why I want this first episode to really be about calling. So this is called the vocation to motherhood. It is one of the fundamental truths that drives my life. And I want to convince you that it is a calling. First, a little bit about myself. Michael and I met when I was a senior in college and he was a second year law student We got engaged six weeks after we met, I know, crazy, uh, not a good precedent to set for your own children, but we weren't thinking about that at the time, and then we married within that year, and we wanted to have children right away. God, however, had different plans, and so we didn't conceive our first child until two years after we were married. But when we did, then we went about our life as we had planned. I would stay home with the children, he would work, and all was well. And we had our first six children in eight years, eight and a half years. And then number seven came along five years after number six. Just an update, we now have 13 going on 15 grandchildren. And um, we are just happy, happy, happy. So I always thought that we had made the decisions, right? They were, you know, what we had planned, what we had wanted. It, it never occurred to me that God was involved in that very much. Um, I mean, I knew he would give us children when and if he wanted. But aside from that, I, it just never occurred to me that he was really a part of my daily life. And then I was invited to go on a silent retreat. And this is about 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, I was pregnant with my fourth, and I was all about a silent retreat at that time. So um, I went on the retreat. It was sponsored by Opus Dei, which is a lay apostolate. Um, And Opus means work, Dei means God. And it's really about, the spirituality is really about um, making our everyday life a prayer to God, basically sanctifying it. That you don't need to be a priest or a religious of any kind to say, uh, okay, I can make that holy. That in fact, we all must make our lives holy. So when I was on this retreat, listening to this whole notion of my day could be holy, uh, in the middle of the Saturday afternoon, I went on a walk and literally, not literally, but... (laughs) Felt literally, it was so earth shattering. I felt like the sky opened, and I saw how my life would be different if I had changed my perspective. If I looked at my motherhood, my marriage as a vocation, as a call from God, that He was actively involved in my life to call me to this man and to have these children for. His purpose, God's purpose, and I—I I got a migraine. <laughs> I actually had to go to bed for the rest of the day because I—I I, I just think that it was so overwhelming to me in in good and uh, serious ways, right? That the seriousness of what I was doing came upon me, but also the immense joy. It was just overwhelming that I could participate. In God's plan so directly. So when we talk about vocation, vocation is another word for calling and it's about our calling to motherhood, about God asking us to participate with him in bringing souls to heaven. We are not just the babysitter and the cleaning lady. We're not the entertainer. We are uh, entrusted with forming these children. We are in partnership with God. And so our job is to nurture them, but not just by taking care of their bodily needs. Yes, of course, that's important. And we all sort of get stuck on, okay, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks at 10 and three, and then all the crumbs and the crumbs and the crumbs and the crumbs, right? and all the laundry, and all of the picking up of the house, and all that stuff that makes us feel overwhelmed. It makes us feel like, I don't like this. It makes us feel like, what happened to me? Who am I? All of that can change if we change our thought about what motherhood is really about. If we change our thought that, in fact, God has called me to this He's asked me to develop my children in virtue along with my husband. I mean, this is not just, um, you know, a one-sided thing. Of course, with our husbands, they have the calling to fatherhood as well. So together, we help our children grow in virtue, in faith, and in how to really love. You know, it's so interesting. Michael and I have been, um, we've, we've done parenting courses now for about 25 years And to watch the faces of people when they realize that their child's temperament and behavior is not set at birth and can never be changed, it's really interesting because so many people think, oh, that's just the way they are. I can't do anything about it. No, you know what? Babies are born like wild beasts. They They don't know what's right and what is wrong. They don't have virtue. Now, they, they do have some innate virtues that God has given to them. But it's our job. When I say they don't have virtue, what I mean is it's our job to bring that out in them. It's our job to cultivate the virtue that God has given them, the gifts that God has given them. It it rarely happens on its own. It is the parent who helps their children develop that to actually form them in virtue. So we talk about giving our children formation, forming them. It's an act of giving form or shape to something. So our children are entrusted to us because God has confidence in us to form them into lovely, uh, happy, virtuous people. We need to help them develop supernatural virtues, faith, hope, love. We also need to help them develop human virtues, patience, generosity, kindness, resiliency, obedience, modesty, respect for others. Oh my gosh, I can go on and on. Children don't naturally have those virtues or they're not developed enough without someone intervening and helping them helping them develop forming those virtues in them we're also here to help them discover their gifts and talents and you know i i have to tell you i am so sad when i see what's happening to this generation of children who are on iPads they're on iPhones They are on Xboxes. They're on something. They are not nurturing their natural gifts. Are we going to find in 10, 20, 30 years that we no longer have artists, dancers, writers, inventors because we haven't nurtured those gifts in our children? Maybe we won't even have baseball players because kids don't go out and play baseball anymore. How about lovers of the truth? Are we forming our children in love for God? When I say forming, I mean, are we giving shape to faith in their lives? Pope St. John Paul II said, "'As the family goes, so goes the nation, "'and so goes the whole world.'" It really is true that society depends on the integrity of the family. And so can you see how our job in raising our children is this immense gift that God, well, he entrusts to us. He trusts us to do that for him. And if we're not doing that for him, we're letting him down, we're letting our children down, and we're letting society down. So motherhood has this just enormous, beautiful, holy mission. Are we honoring that in our lives? Do we see motherhood as a gift? Do we value it or do we complain a lot? Do we squander our time? Are we on Instagram, Facebook? social media netflix so that we're not really spending the time forming our children as a side note i have to tell you moms who are young and you've got young children i think this is a huge huge problem and i i don't envy you at all this is if if i had all of those distractions when when we were raising our children it would have made our lives very difficult, very complicated, and I don't know that we would have the children with the virtue that we have. Our children are not perfect for sure, and unfortunately, they will tell you. I could probably be the first one to tell you all of their faults, but we had time together. We were not, our time wasn't stolen nor given away to so much tech and media. In our gift of motherhood, Do we become instruments of prayer? You probably have heard that so many times you can't give what you don't have. It really is true. We cannot give to our children, form our children in human and supernatural virtues, if we are not working on them ourselves. Now, let me be clear. I am not saying that if you don't have patience or generosity or a strong faith, that you should not be raising children or you're going to do a bad job. It's the devil who tells you you can't. It's God who tells you you can. And so I am throwing out the challenge to you that you let your calling to motherhood change you fundamentally from the inside out. You know, I was uh, the only girl in my family. I had two brothers and I had my own bedroom. And I, my parents were very good about, you know, not spoiling me, but when you're the only girl in the family, you're naturally not going to have to develop some virtues. You know, I I didn't have to share a lot because I didn't have anybody in the room to share with. And I've always told my kids that they're going to go into their marriages, hopefully with stronger virtues if they're living them intentionally, um, than I had because I didn't really have a lot of virtue in living with someone. Motherhood changed me. Motherhood taught me how to be patient and how to be kind and generous and how to be resilient. Motherhood gave me strength and grit because, well, quite frankly, I had to develop all of those virtues or I was going to lose. I was going to be overwhelmed and stressed and unhappy. And I find that a lot of young moms today who deal with being stressed and overwhelmed is because they're fighting motherhood so much. Rather than giving into the lessons that God wants us to learn and the virtue he wants us to develop. Remember, we're not going to grow in virtue unless we're challenged. Did you know that? I, I didn't know that until I was really grown, like in my 40s. It didn't occur to me, and someone brought it to my attention, that, you know, we don't develop virtues unless we're challenged. Just like we don't develop, uh, you know, physical talents unless we're challenged. And so motherhood is going to challenge your virtue. It will, but that's okay. We need to be ready to grow and not let get us down, not feel like failures, not feel like we can't do it. We learn to do it by practice. And so in my case, I had six children under eight years old. I had to practice being patient every day, all day. That is generally not my personality. I'm not a patient person. I make a decision, let's go. But I've learned to be patient. I've learned to be resilient. I've learned How to get through the day so that I'm not just getting through the day, but I'm really enjoying it. So that's my challenge first to you moms is embrace the challenge. You will grow as a person in virtue and in kindness and in so many ways that when you get to my age, which is, you know, old, (laughs) my oldest is 34 you will look back and you'll say, wow, I, I am a better person than I was when I began. And that's what we should be striving for. Our children will learn most by watching and imitating us. Now, that can be quite scary, right? Uh, they will look at the good and the bad. And my husband and I, by nature, are sarcastic people. And we have raised some sarcastic children. It's, it's not my proudest moment, to be honest. I thought we were just being funny until I realized that sarcasm has a bite to it. And I don't like it. And so even as adults, I'm still their mom. And now that I've learned how sarcasm, especially if it's at someone else's expense, is just not funny, I'm trying to help them also see that. On the flip side, I think that my children have watched myself sacrifice and I watch them sacrifice for others. And it is beautiful and its it just warms your heart as a mother. So be open to that change and you'll be better off in the end and you will have beautiful children. My mom is expecting her, I think it's her 26th great-grandchild. It's an amazing journey, this motherhood thing. And it is not isolated to just our own children. It's for generations that you are the mother, that you take this mission seriously without fear because you need to depend on God for it. We can't do this by ourselves. It's just too difficult. And yet we try. Every day has to be a new day where we say to God, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. You need to go to God and say, help me today. Or at that 10 o'clock hour, maybe it's a ten-thirty hour in your your time where the kids have just had enough of the day and they're not quite ready for lunch or naps. And they're just going a little nutty. Or the five o'clock hour, yikes, that five o'clock hour when, when you're waiting for dad to come home. That's the time you need to just ask God for help. He can be there for you and give you what you need because you can't do this on your own. It's designed that way. You are in partnership with God. Well, that means that you have to depend on him. He has given you the task and he's asking you to depend on him. He won't force you, but he's asking you. In 1865, there was a poem written by William Ross Wallace, and it was called, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Have you ever thought about that? The power that we have in a good way for our children to form them, to raise them, to contribute, to get them to heaven. This is a mission. It's a mission to get them to heaven and to raise them to be faith-filled, generous, loving adults who will in turn have their own mission to raise their children. Now, you'll make mistakes. I have made plenty. I think about my mistakes a lot, and I have to let go of my mistakes. I did the best I could. I also know that love conquers a multitude of sins. And I can see in my children that they've either forgiven my mistakes or they've forgotten my mistakes because we are close, we are loving, and they are happy. So depend on that. Don't worry about the mistakes. If it's necessary for you to go back to the kids and say, hey, I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry I did that. Then be humble and do that. But remember that love will cover a multitude of sins. Again, I encourage you to get rid of the distractions. Take that phone, the social media. Maybe it's attachment to outside friends. There are always all kinds of things that want to invade our space with our children. Don't let it. The children need to come first. Your motherhood comes first. Maybe it's our own selfishness that wants to get involved there. Put your children first. And of course, that means you have to take care of yourself first. I'm not about the whole martyr syndrome where I can't do that. I don't have time to take care of myself. I don't this and that. Hey, yeah, you do. You just have to make a plan and figure out how it's going to happen. Please don't give into that. Please don't say, I don't have time. You do have time. You have to figure out how to do it. Do you have as much time as you'd like? No. I mean, I would have loved to have a massage every day for an hour and a half, but that didn't happen because it shouldn't have happened. But when you give, you learn how to nurture your inner self. I tell my children that I will have to stand before God and give an account of my motherhood. I really believe that. It helped a lot when I had to correct them and they didn't like my no to their request for activities or something that they you know, wanted to do. And I said, look, I can't. I can't let you do that. I don't think it's safe for you. I don't think it's right for you. And I have to answer to God for it. So no, sorry. When I die, and I think this should be all of our goal, as Matthew 25 verse 21 says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. Thank you again for spending this time with me. Until next time, have a great week. Do you have a life coach who helps you be the woman you want to be? The woman God has called you to be? Who helps you sort through your marriage or parenting difficulties and helps you create the mindset you need to embrace your vocation with joy and gratitude? If you're looking for a coach, I would be so honored to help you. Email me at janet at findingjoyandmotherhood.com.